one thing that has been on my mind uh, as of late, and it was, um, you know, funny that that Dad asked me to to bring something today, um, because it's it's been something that's that's been um, running through my head the last um, you know several days, weeks, or whatever, um, and I think it's appropriate for this time of season um, that we talk about this today. And so. Um, my apologies up front if some of it seems disjointed, because <laughs> um, I'm a I'm a last minute kind of guy. So <laughs> um, I work well under pressure, but um, sometimes it feels disjointed. So if uh, if it does so, I apologize up front. But the question that I want to look at today, uh, as we go through some scripture today, we'll bounce around a little bit through some scripture. But the question that I most want us to focus on today is why Bethlehem. As we come into this time of season and we get to talk about the birth of our Savior, we get to talk about Jesus and how he came into the world, the question that I'm left with most often at this part of of the year is, why Bethlehem? Why Bethlehem? So in Luke 2, I'd like us to start there, Luke 2. You know, we have a tradition in our family on Christmas morning, we get to wake up and, uh, well, <laughs> I say wake up, we've usually been up the entire night, but we get to wake my parents up. Um, and so we would wake them up at, at four or five, and then they would tell us to go back to sleep, and then we'd um, go play more video games and then wake them up at six, and then we'd go to the tree. Um, but before we ever open presents, every year, before we do the presents, we'd be gathered around the tree, and we would read through... Luke chapter 2, because our parents wanted to instill in us the idea that Christmas is more than just gifts. Christmas is more than just a tree and lights. Christmas is about our Savior. And so what I want to do today to start off with is read through Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. So if you would follow along with me, that's where we'll be. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. It was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Uh, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened." But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. There will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about the child. And all who heard it wondered the same things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just 
as had been told. And so we see the birth story of our Savior, which I always find, uh, as a a kid growing up, I always found um, a little interesting. And I think the question has been posed before, why is it that God decided to come the way that he did? Why Bethlehem? (laughs) And hopefully as we go through some of what we're going to talk about today, we'll start to see a little bit why Bethlehem. The short story to the answer of why Bethlehem is prophecy. Prophecy. It was already told to the Jewish communities and peoples through the Old Testament and through the prophets uh, of their past that it would be Bethlehem. And so the short answer to that question is, yeah, it, it was prophecy. It had to be Bethlehem. And so in Micah chapter 5, In verse 2, we see this, But as for you, Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. You see, the short answer is, it had to be Bethlehem. Because it was already known that it was going to be Bethlehem. And so it should have not been any surprise to the shepherds, who may have been Jews, that there would be somebody of importance, great importance, born to them in Bethlehem. And so when they got there to see this baby king. Now, perhaps their surprise was that it was a child. I think all through Christianity and and what we have believed over the thousands of years that that Christianity has been existing since Christ is, I think one of the nagging questions that we have is, why did he come the way that he did? As a king, as God, why didn't he come in the way that we think he deserved? And I think that's where we separate from what our minds think of is right and what God's mind thinks is right. You see, I think the short answer to even that question is, well, if he had come as he, what we consider deserved, as a god, loud angels, trumpets, sky opening up, well, then he wouldn't have been human, would he? And isn't the entire goal of what Jesus came to do for us was to be fully God and fully man? And so it had to be that way. Why Bethlehem? Well, it had to be. And we could go through more scriptures all throughout the Old Testament that point to why Bethlehem. Well, it had to be because all of scripture, the entirety of it, leads to Bethlehem. We could point out little things in Psalm or little things in Zechariah, or Jeremiah, or Daniel that talk about this Savior who is going to come, this Savior that was going to be here to save us from everything that had happened in the past. And yet, the entirety of Scripture is like this road map into Bethlehem. This tiny little town, this town that really had no other significance other than some pretty important people had been born there or from there, namely David, which was a pretty big deal in Jewish history. 
And so Scripture talks about the fact that there would be a Savior, a Messiah, that would come who would be in the same lineage, the same family as David. That's a pretty big deal. And so it was important to know that the Messiah was going to come through that little sleepy town. It's funny, though, the sleepy town was pretty busy the day that Jesus got there. Couldn't even be born in, a, in an actual room. Had to be born in a stable. But Scripture is really like a roadmap of prophets to the fulfillment of God's plan. You see, you can read through portions of Daniel and the Psalms and Micah and Malachi, and you can see all of these things leading up to this event that culminated in Bethlehem. But it was more than just the prophets, and so what I'd like for us to do is flip back over to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, there's some pretty interesting things that happen in Matthew chapter 1. Now, I always thought when I was a kid and we read through Matthew chapter 1 um, that it was probably the most boring chapter ever written in Scripture. <laughs> now, right, um, that was before I really got into numbers. <laughs> but then I got to Bible college and read numbers and I was like, nope, this is it. Uh, but in Matthew chapter 1, there's some pretty significant things that happen. And so if you'll bear with me, let's read through some of the names that Matthew chapter 1 talks about. The record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, right out of the gate, we see that Matthew is tying Jesus' lineage to some pretty important people, David and Abraham. Now, here's why this is important. You see, all of Judaism was looking for a savior, a Messiah, because they knew these scriptures from their past, written 700, 1,000 years before Jesus' birth, saying that this Messiah was going to come. He was going to be of the line of David. He was going to be a prophet like Abraham and Moses. And he was going to lead the people back to God. And see, all of this culminated throughout the entirety of the Old Testament right here to Bethlehem. And Matthew points it out right out of the gate. Hey, here's Jesus. Yeah, he is of the same line of David and Abraham. All of this pointing back to the, the tenets of the, the, Judea, the, the Jewish faith. Abraham was the father of Isaac, the father of Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Now let's hold up just a second. Now we're starting to get throw some women into the mix, which is interesting. Usually genealogies, especially in Scripture, focus primarily on the fathers all through as long as they can go back. And so to add in women was a little bit unusual. But these women in particular that Matthew mentions are very unusual because they're not actually Jews. And so I want us to keep that in mind as we keep reading through some of these names. And I want to see if you can pick out with me some names that may not fit quite into the story as cleanly as maybe some of the others. 
So Tamar, Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Oh, well, there's another one, another interesting one. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse. Jesse the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba, who was the wife of Uriah the Hittite. That's another interesting one. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. Joram, the father of Uzziah. On and on and on and on. We see all these names. And we eventually get down to Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born and is called the Messiah. But Matthew points out three important people, specifically women, that I think we should make note of. He calls out Tamar, Rahab, and Bathsheba. Now, I think we're familiar with a couple of those names. Tamar, maybe not as much, but Rahab and Bathsheba. Rahab was a person who lived in Jericho that helped Jewish spies on the inside. Rahab was saved because she helped them and uh, did so with a kind heart. And so when Jericho was fallen to the ground, Rahab was the only resident that was saved because of that. But Rahab's reputation was not so clean. Bathsheba, (laughs) we all are probably familiar with Bathsheba. Probably not much fault of her own, although I think the saying goes it does take two to tango. Bathsheba, who was already married, was called to David's court, and David and Bathsheba had a son named Solomon. They actually had another son, but but God took that son. (laughs) But they had Solomon, who eventually became the wisest king in all of Jewish history. And his stories are legendary. But Bathsheba wasn't a Jew. She was married to a Hittite. And so, why would Matthew find it important to add in people who weren't traditionally added into genealogies? And when I coupled that question with why Bethlehem, and we look at the entirety of Scripture and how all of Scripture points to Bethlehem and all of Scripture points to Jesus being the Messiah, and then an angel appears before these shepherds and these shepherds go and and they see this boy king who was born in a really mundane way. Nothing really too spectacular. And then we read through a genealogy that points out really important people throughout the history of Judaism, but some people who may not have been quite as clean as some of the others. Why add in these Gentile women? Why add in people who weren't a part of the long history of Jewish faith? And I think the answer to that question is love. 
when I think about why Bethlehem and when I think about why add in people into a genealogy of a Savior and a Messiah that really didn't have much to do with their entire history, you can look through the Old Testament and read stories about people who were incredible. Abraham, who had faith to sacrifice his own son so that God would know he was chosen, had chosen the right one. When you looked at people like Ruth, who had prayed earnestly for somebody to join their family and carry them through. When we looked at other people like Solomon, who was so wise and who had been given such great talent by God. And when we look at David, who was an, a, an incredible king, although he did make mistakes, I think it's because of love. You see, the idea is not that Jesus came to save the Jews. The idea is that Jesus came to save humanity. So why Bethlehem? Why a genealogy that's not so clean and has a few dark spots? It's because of love. It's because what we needed was a Messiah to come and save us, not just some. It's more than the Jews. It's you and it's me. It's all of us for love. So when we look at the story of Jesus and how he came to earth born of a simple girl, chosen by God to, to carry out this amazing task. And we could probably dive in further into what Mary and Joseph's relationship was like, but I think that's been exhausted through the years. The point is, although God could have sent Jesus down to us, probably like some of us think he deserved to come, skies splitting open, angels blaring trumpets, I think it would have taken away from his humanity. And so God came to us in a way that we would understand, which I think is something to make note of as well. You see, if God had come down the way that we think he deserves to come down, is that something that we would have understood? Is that something that people in that time would have been able to grasp and wrap their minds around? Everybody likes a baby. Everybody understands a baby. And so when Jesus came, it had to be Bethlehem. It had to be the way that it was. And it had to be so because the entirety of Scripture led up to that one event where Jesus was the fulfillment of everything that had been talked about 700, 1,000, 1,500 years before he was even born. And it had to be Bethlehem, and it had to be the way that it was done because of love. Not love for one group of people. Not a Savior and a Messiah for just one small group of people who, by the way, are still waiting for him because they've missed it. The entirety of Scripture talks about 
This Messiah that was going to come through the eastern gate riding on a donkey, and Jesus did that. The entirety of Scripture talks about a Savior and a Messiah who would be crucified on a cross, and a a Savior whose bones would not be broken, and a Savior who would be born in Bethlehem, and yet some of them have missed it. But we're here today, and I'm here today, to tell you that Jesus came to us in a way that we would understand, born like all of us as a baby, in a really mundane way so that we would know he was both fully God, fully human, and he did so because of love for you and for me. Because Scripture talks about Bethlehem because it had to be, born like he was because of love, Because that baby that was born would grow up to die on a cross and save all of us. There's a great line in a song that we were listening to in the car the other day. And I hadn't really ever listened to the words of the song. In fact, I don't even really know what it's called. (laughs) But there's a line that says, when you were born, and I'm paraphrasing such tiny hands that would one day be outstretched and save us all. Why Bethlehem? Because it had to be. And because of love. And because without it, we wouldn't be saved. And it's because of that, no matter what's happening, I said it earlier, I'll say it again. We live in a broken world. We live in a world where hurt and broken people are the norm. But the one thing that always stays constant, the one thing that is always true, is that love rules because of the sacrifice that a baby 2,000 years ago that was born made for us. Bethlehem because it had to be. The way that it was done because of love. For all of us. Father, thank you for this time. This time of the season where we get to come together. Where we get to talk about a child that was born 2,000 years ago. But not just any child somebody who would be a savior and a Messiah to us because of love. Father, today, our prayer is that we would seek out that love. Father, maybe we've never experienced that kind of love before, and so we simply pray that if that's the case, we would be open-minded and open-hearted enough to accept that kind of love. It is so hard to find in today's world. And so we ask that that would happen today. But Father, maybe there are those of us here that have experienced that love in the past, but it's been so long since we felt the warm embrace of your spirit. And so Father, for those, I ask that 
you would give your spirit to them today. Overwhelm them with peace and comfort to know that your love is always constant, no matter how far we stray. God, we love you. We thank you for that Savior. We thank you for his death on a cross that gives us hope for the life beyond this. We love you, and we thank you for all of these things. In his precious name, amen.